Hello and Merry Christmas from Apostolic Voice. Have a great program for you today. Going to be talking about an article called Innkeepers. I'm going to be sharing that with you from RyanAFrench.com. Also, we have a French family edition of Gross Good Great featuring Turkish Delight. So this is a Narnia edition. And also, I'm going to be I'm going to be throwing out a brand new segment that I'm calling Ryan Raw and Real. It's going to be a great episode, so hang in there. This is the article Innkeepers. Just posted a few days ago at RyanAFrench.com. You can find it featured there. Every Christmas season, for as long as I can remember, my dad has told the story of a local church's nativity play. I don't know where he read it, but the story made it into his rotation. And he cries every year in the same places, and he recites the story as if it's the first time we've ever heard it. I was probably a teenager when he first told it, and to use an expression my kids use about my stories, I thought it was pretty cringy back then. But a few years back, while Dad was telling the story for the billionth time, the sheer beauty and simplicity of it finally washed over me. It illustrates just how thick we humans can be. Sometimes it takes a billion recitations before it sinks in. The story goes something like this. It was a cold winter night at the first church of somewhere, and everyone had gathered with anticipation for the annual church Christmas nativity play. The resident church play director was scrambling about nervously as parents and congregants settled in for sweet performances starring local kids. The stage was set, and things went along nicely until it came to a particular moment featuring a 10-year-old boy named Willie Purley. It's important to note that Willie was a little bigger and slower than most kids his age. The director almost didn't give Willie a speaking part in the play, but he wanted it so badly he eventually relented. So Willie had one very simple job. When Mary and Joseph arrived in front of his inn, he was to say, Sorry, there's no room for you here. As Willie's big moment approached, Mary and Joseph came to the first innkeeper, who sternly turned them away. They walked up to the second innkeeper, who sent them off with a harsh tone as rehearsed. If the crowd had been paying attention, they would have noticed that Willie had one gentle tear falling from his eye as the little couple drew near to his inn. Joseph, a.k.a. Edward Zilperneck, looked at Willie, the innkeeper, and pleaded, Sir, my wife is about to have a baby, and we have no place to stay tonight. Can you please give us a room? Then, almost bursting with emotion, Willie shouted at the top of his lungs, Yes, 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 you can have my room. (laughs) According to the legend, people from the first church of somewhere still say that was the best ruined Christmas nativity play ever in the history of Somewhereville. And everyone who's anyone remembers looking around after Willie shouted those infamous words and noticing there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Even old Mr. Cleaver who had never cried once in his entire life, had misty eyes. And that was according to Miss Pliny, who had only once told a lie in her life, and that was when she was too young to know better. Mr. Cleaver denied having misty eyes that night, but several folks had noticed him suspiciously dabbing his face with a handkerchief. Anyway, that's the story, 
and everyone who's anyone seems to be sticking to it. It might interest you to know that only one of the four Gospels mentions the inn. It's Luke 2.7, and it states, Almost as an afterthought, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Some recent translations render the word inn as guest room, almost like an ancient Airbnb situation. And over the years, church plays and portrayals have added many things into the actual biblical narrative. For example, the Bible never mentions an innkeeper or a housekeeper or describes how Mary and Joseph were turned away. So how did they find a stable? Who gave them access to a manger? We don't have many details about the events that unfolded that night, but the detail-oriented Luke wanted us to be aware that there was no room, wherever it was, that Joseph and Mary tried to stay that night. Regardless of whether it was a hotel, motel, inn, Airbnb, or a distant cousin's spare bedroom, they were turned away from somewhere by someone. I'll forever picture an innkeeper in my mind because of the thousands of church plays I've seen, but whoever did the rejecting looked at a woman on the verge of giving birth and said some version of, I just don't have room for you here. Maybe they felt awful about sending them away, or perhaps they convinced themselves their actions were justified in some way. Possibly they didn't feel any remorse at all. Wouldn't you love to know all those little details? But I think Willie had the right idea. I mean, if a pregnant woman came to your door in desperate need, wouldn't you feel compassion and a desire to help? I could handle a few nights sleeping on the floor to help a couple in that kind of dire situation. But that innkeeper had reasons to move them along, reasons that probably made perfect sense in his or her mind. And the reality is this, we're all just like that innkeeper. Each of us chooses to let Jesus in or tell him to go try somewhere else. There are dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of other things competing for occupancy in our hearts. But here's the thing, Jesus isn't going to compete. He'll just patiently knock until the day comes when he'll knock no more. So, we either make room and let him in, or we don't. Here's a beautiful passage of scripture where Jesus described heaven. He said this, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's John 14, 2 through 3. Isn't it amazing that Jesus was rejected before he was even born, yet he's preparing a perfect eternal dwelling place for us? But Jesus is also the only entrance into heaven. He said it many times in various ways, but one that sticks out is when Jesus said, I am the gate. Anyone who enters through me will be saved. That's John 10, 9. In a sense, the roles will reverse in the afterlife. Then, suddenly, instead of knocking and pleading for entrance into our lives, 
Jesus becomes the cosmic gatekeeper of heaven. At that moment, we will be desperately begging for a room in that perfectly prepared place called heaven. We've all heard people ask, how could God keep anyone out of heaven? And the answer to that question is relatively simple. He gave us the right to reject him in this world, but he reserves the right to deny us in that world. Heaven is his house, after all. Jesus won't trespass his way into our hearts, and we can't trespass our way into his home. So you might be asking, how do I make room for Jesus? Well, the initial act of letting Jesus in from a theological standpoint is repentance. But what differentiates Pentecostal theology from, let's say, Baptist theology, among others, is the understanding that Jesus doesn't dwell inside us at repentance. Repentance cleans the house and gets all the gunk and cobwebs out. Along with that massive house cleaning, repentance opens the door to Jesus and lays the welcome mat out. The infilling of the Holy Ghost, first evidenced by supernaturally speaking with other unlearned tongues, is literally God taking residence inside of us. Over time, old spirits, habits, things, stuff, and thoughts try to creep their way back into our lives. And if we entertain those things too long, the Holy Spirit will not remain inside. The holy isn't going to coincide with the unholy, which brings us full circle back to a need for repentance. On a lesser scale, sometimes things that aren't necessarily sinful are edging Jesus out of our lives. Paul said to lay aside every weight and the sin. Some things aren't sin, they're just weights. Our jobs keep us too busy to give God the time he deserves. Financial stress maxes out our faith and we slip into fear. We get so caught up in activities, and entertainments, leisure, sports, or hobbies that they just push Jesus right out of the picture. Jesus won't throw a fit about it. Instead, he'll just quietly slip out the door and start knocking all over again until we finally let him back in where he belongs. Quick confession, even with the Holy Ghost, I'm kind of a glass-half-empty kind of guy. I'm sort of a grumpy old man, and I'm not even an old man yet, although I'm getting there. If I didn't have the Holy Ghost, I'd probably be the glasses-empty-because-it-has-a-hole-in-the-bottom kind of guy, but praise God for the transformative power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? This segment gives me the opportunity to be raw, real, and unfiltered with y'all for just a few minutes each week, so here we go. Why does so much Christian music sound the same? Why? It's like if you hear one Maverick City song, you've heard them all. It's not that I don't like it, but 
can't we just have some variety? And now we have the same guy singing on, whether it's Maverick City or Hillsong or some other megachurch music group that's in the top 10. Like, they all sing for each other now, and they all sound the same. Can we just, can we just stop doing that? Okay. I feel like everyone's favorite Christmas song is Little Drummer Boy, which makes my life miserable because it's my absolute least favorite Christmas song. And there are 47,000 versions of that song. I don't get the song. It doesn't make sense. What does it mean? Who is the little drummer boy? Why is he drumming? Why do you all like it? Please stop the madness. Here's another one. Why do so many apostolics share non-apostolic sermon clips and content on social media? I mean, a pagan preacher says one good thing, and we post it all over creation. In the meantime, your pastor who loves you and prays for you daily mentors you dedicated you to the Lord, baptized you, labors in the word for you weekly, sacrifices for you, visits you in the hospital, goes to all your major life events, fasts for you weekly, and will give account to God on your behalf on judgment day, can't even get you to share one sermon clip of him preaching. Okay, my God, that's good preaching. I'm done. That's all I have. All right, bye. Three, two, one. Gross, Gross good, good, great. great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is the highly anticipated Narnia edition of Gross, Good, Great. Where we are trying for the very first time. Now, we're breaking a rule. This is a long-standing rule, but we're breaking the rule that... Yes, we're cheating a little bit because you can't just walk to your local Walmart and buy Turkish Delight. I mean, you could. <laughs> we had to walk to our local Amazon smartphone retailer and order it from Turkey. <laughs> or who knows where it came from, but supposedly this is genuine Turkish Delight. All right. Inspired, of course, by one of our all-time favorite book series in the world by the famous C.S. Lewis, Narnia. The Chronicles of Narnia. 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 And I have a quote. I have a quote from the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. <laughs> the White Witch said, It is dull, son of Adam, to drink without eating, said the Queen presently. What would you like best to eat? Turkish delight, please, your majesty, <laughs> said Edmund. And so Edmund is famous for eating the Turkish delight in Chronicles of Narnia. No one has any idea what it is. Mm. No one has any idea what it is. We're about to find out. We're about to find out. But it's it's like a square, it's like a square donut with pistachios. Yes, it looks kind of like a square donut with a pistachios. Square powdered donut. It has it definitely has lots of powdered sugar on on it. Uh, sweetheart, you want to go ahead yeah. and start opening it yes, up? Yes, I do. The package. Uh, this one's a little hard. It doesn't make a lot of noise like most of our We shouldn't have entrusted Tay with opening it. Of course, in the Chronicles of Narnia, it is uh, in The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, the first book, it is always winter and never Christmas. That's kind of a theme of the book, always winter, never Christmas. Which is funny because when I think of like the devil, I think of like fire. I don't think of Yes, that. yeah. See, uh, Lewis was actually kind of flipping how we think of evil from being fire to cold.
cold and that's dark. Really, that's and really loud. <laughs> stone. She turned people into stone, giving people a heart of stone. Right. All right. So we have the wrapping off. Now, this particular Turkish delight has pistachios. I did find as I was doing in-depth, gut-wrenching research for this episode that... Yeah, a lot of them don't have pistachios. There, there's a few different kinds of Turkish delights. There's with pistachio, without... Oh, the powdered sugar is getting everywhere. That's good. Oh, they're little bite-sized pieces. Oh, I'm going to get a handful of Okay. Now, I think that some of this has pistachio and some doesn't. I'm not sure how that's going to work. I wish you guys could that see this because like this is very messy. You, you, uh, there's you, powder you. everywhere. <laughs> okay. The girls are not reacting well, well to this so far. Tay, that's powder on black. That's all over my outfit. So for newcomers to Gross Good Great, the way it works, one, two, and three is gross. Four, five, and six is Great. And seven no. is good. good. Four, five, oh. six, and seven oh, yeah. is good. And then eight, nine, and eight, ten. Eight, nine, and ten is, is great. Great. It's That's very hard great. to get in the great category. Most yeah. things make it in the good or the gross category so far, thus far. Well, on Apostolic Voice, very, very few things have made it into the great okay, category. Need to try it now. All right, so can okay. you hand everyone a piece, yeah. sweetheart? Yeah. It's it's like almost she has powdered sugar things. all over herself. Okay, here oh, you go. All right, powdered sugar weird. everywhere in the apostolic You're voice so studio. What she asking? Okay. It's she. All right. <laughs> all right, here we go. Three. Everyone, two. put in your mouth and chew. Oh. Powder is sugary. Where is I made sure to just squish all the ones and find the one that didn't have pistachios. Have a chewy texture. Why is this the thing? It's not about? what I expected. Why he asked this out of so many things he could have asked for? So interesting. Wow. It tastes like it's caramel. That's really no. not what I expected. It's squishy. It does not taste like caramel. Okay, so. Actually, it tastes like caramel. As a texture of caramel. No, doesn't as like powdered sugar is is always delicious, right? So, powdered sugar is good. Yeah, I think the powdered sugar saved it. I'm surprised at how chewy it was it on was the very inside. Chewy. Very sweet and syrupy on the inside. That was like a gummy. It, almost like yeah, almost like it a gummy bear chewy. on the inside. <laughs> and then the, I I could just barely taste the pistachios. It was like 300 textures. And I flavors. like pistachios. The pistachios just give it a little bit of a crunch on Can the I inside. Can I have another one? I need to test it again. Yeah. Does anyone need to eat another one to, no. to yes, get their bearings? Yes, I need to. <laughs> to okay. is like, no, uh, I'll have one more. Uh, stick it in my mouth, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one. Oh. I got to try one with pistachios. Yours didn't have pistachios in it. Mm, I choose the one that I chose the one that did have a session. The inside is yellow, mm. like honey. I wish you guys could see the the mm. studio here. We have powdered sugar all over. Everywhere. Powdered sugar is literally everywhere. Our clothes, the desk, the floor, everywhere. This I'm microphone. <laughs> no, better not be. Okay, so mm. it's actually pretty good with those pistachios. Yeah, I'm, so I'm super curious, Julia. You seem to be the one who's not liking it, so. You need to get your mouth right into the microphone and tell right us here. what your rating is and why you rated it. Mm. I wouldn't eat that. It's pretty gross. I'll give it a <laughs> a four. Okay. That's a fair vote. A four? Why would he choose that out of so many things? Well, you know, 
I agree. Hello. You could have chosen a regular know. donut. <laughs> oh, I don't know. All right. I'll go last. Right. I want to go last. Okay, you're going to go last? Yeah, All right, sweetheart. I'm still thinking of mine. What, what are you going to give it? So, can you give me the numbers again for... One, two, and three is gross, okay. and so Julia kind of contradicted herself because she said it's pretty gross, and then she gave it a four, which made it good. <laughs> uh, good is four, five, six, and seven. Eight, eight, nine, and ten is great. So I'm going to give it a five. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it's not great, but it's not gross. <laughs> Sorry. That's our dog, Charlie, <laughs> making weird noises. <laughs> If that's not a human. We we can't explain it. We're sorry. And so, I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, I wouldn't want it 24-7, but I would eat it. Okay. I mean, it's pretty good. Well, Talmadge wants to go last. I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. I oh, loved wow. it. Yeah. I really loved it. I would I would sit and eat that box, what? unfortunately, probably until it's gone. Dab. I absolutely loved it. I'm going to... Um, it, it's not, you know, 10 is like the maximum possible. Right. I, I don't right, know right. that I give it quite a 10, but I loved it, loved it, loved it. I like the texture. I like the chewiness. I love the powdered sugar, and I love pistachios. Yeah. So um, I thought it was delicious, and it has a really good lingering aftertaste. It doesn't leave you with like a nasty aftertaste like some Dad, do. I think you could have got a better version of that that tasted much better. All right, well, what's your rating? I'm going to be next to you. I'm, I'm going to rate it a 9. I really I'm, liked that. Really? A nine? Yeah, I liked it. Wow. So, it's like, why did you like it? Uh, the powder saved it and the pistachios. Yeah, it was really awesome. If it was just a gummy, then I wouldn't like it. Well, we would love to hear what you guys think about it. So, give us a shout out. Uh, tell us if you've ever tasted Turkish Delight. Uh, maybe some of you missionaries out there that have oh, yeah. access to Turkish Delight. Uh Tell us if let us, know, right let us know if you liked it. Uh, you can go let to us know if you're from Europe. Yeah, if you're from Europe, we want to know that. Yes. You can go to the website. Let me let me find out what the website is real quick because I can't remember. Uh, yes. So you can go to anchor.fm forward slash hang on. No, that isn't right. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We are so professional here at, yeah. at Amazon. Okay, go to anchor.fm forward slash apostolic voice and click the button that says message in the right hand middle corner. And you can send us a voice message yeah. and tell us about your experience with Turkish and Delight. Rate us five stars and leave a review. All right, let's, let's give them a French family Merry Christmas. One, two, three. Merry Bye.